We started last week a new series on hope. And it's this word that really is so critical to our lives when you think about it. If we don't have hope, what's left is pain and discouragement and, and just kind of wondering, okay, what's going on, God, with my, our lives? So we need hope. And the theme verse that, uh, I'll put that up on the screen, my hope is that you would memorize this. That would be one of those verses that would just uh, capture your heart. But look at how it reads. May the God of hope, Fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Boy, what a goal that our lives that we would abound in hope. Last Sunday we introduced Abraham and and just took a real brief uh, snippet of his life and how Abraham had this faith. He believed God and he had a hope because he believed him. Abraham's faith grew and and trusted God. And my hope and desire that as we walk through this series, that our faith, faith would grow and that it would extend our hope as we walk in this world. But this morning, we want to look at another character, and I want to introduce him through Hebrews chapter 11. And let me just put these verses up on the screen, and we'll read these. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell you of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japhethah, of David, of Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Now today, we want to look at one of those names in this, what we just read, and the name is Samson. But i got to point out that phrase that I underline, because when you look at the, the, all of the things that these people did, so many of them were in the physical sense. That kind of reality of, of stopping armies and doing lots of physical things. But that underlying phrase, uh, get this, it's not the physical realm, it's the spiritual realm. That we would be made strong, that they were made strong in their weakness. That's speaking to their heart of what took place in their heart. And that is the context that we want to approach Samson even today. So turn with me to Judges chapter 13. We're not going to read all of the 13 through 16, and you need to do that on your own sometime. We're just going to pull some snippets out here and apply this to this issue of hope here this morning. But if you were to take a very quick read, what you find is that there's a sense of tragedy with Samson. This could be kind of an interesting movie, and it has been a movie, but if people were to put together, you see that there's a life that's very, very, in one sense, tragic. Now, catch this, just before we read this, foolishness dominates his life. And the weaknesses of this man is really what is going to unfold in front of us. And I think you could actually say this to even pre-say it, we're going to deal with it a little bit later, Samson wasted his life. Now, he lived at a time when there were no kings and, and the Philistines dominated the era. The, the Israelites were kind of living in dis- disobedience. 
And so there's about 40 years there where they were under the control of the Philistines. And that's kind of the context of where Samson is at. Judges chapter 13, let's just begin with verse 2. There was a certain man of Zorah, the tribe of the Danite, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore, be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean, for behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Now, what's just happened? Here, a woman who couldn't conceive, an angel comes to her and tells her that she is going to have a boy and that he is going to be special, and he's going to be set apart unto God. And she goes back to tell her husband, and she wants him to understand this great news that that she has gotten. And so she asks that the angel would come back again, and he returns, and he speaks to them, the both of them. And look, we'll pick it up in verse 19. So Manoah took this young goat with the grain offering and offered it on the rock to the Lord, and he performed wonders while Manoah and his wife looked on. For it came about when the flame went up from the altar toward heaven that the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. When Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their faces to the ground. What an experience for a younger couple. Can't have a child, and all of a sudden an angel comes, and you are going to have a child, and that child is going to be great. Now, if you were the parents or the that couple there, what would go through your mind? Wouldn't you be looking forward to that time and go, I wonder what's going to happen through this child? He's going to be great. But here's the deal: this these chapters reveals what took place with Samson. And folks, he was flawed. And I think what it did, it left his parents actually discouraged. Now, now catch, you got to catch the context also of the time. Because they lived at a time, obviously the Philistines, but there's another context reveals kind of the tone of the day. Look at Judges 17.6. And I think this played into this. In those days, there was no king in Israel. And look at this phrase. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. So Samson grows up in a very permissive society. The Israelites weren't walking with God. The Philistines obviously weren't God-fearing people. And I think this reflected in the life of Samson. But now, catch a couple other pieces here just to point a couple things out. You understand, the leaders, there was no kings. And the leaders of Israel at the time, even though they were under the Philistines, there was judges that ruled the people of Israel. And Samson was one of those judges. And in this passage, in these chapters, it says he ruled for about 20 years, that he was a leader about 20 years that he was responsible for people of Israel. 
But there's one other distinction I've got to add here before we move forward. Because God created Samson uniquely. And in one area, it, it was this. He was physically strong. He had great physical strength. And God gave him that to battle the Philistines. But also this, there were certain times where even the God, even though he was strong, the Holy Spirit would come upon him and there would be extra strength that God would use him in a particular way. Matter of fact, let me show you how that worked here where the first time, verse 24 and 25. And the woman bore a son and called his name Samson, and the young man grew, and the Lord blessed him, and the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him in Manodan between Zorah and Eshtiel. See, this power would come upon Samuel, or Samson, and it happened a number of times in these chapters. But again, as we walk through and look at this person's life, you see, yet, even though God used him, there was incredible flaws in this man's heart. If you're taking notes, I'll just give you a couple of them. And the first one I said this, is that he was relationally challenged when it came to relationships with women. That's kind of a kind way to say it. Okay, Bluntly, he had little self-control when it came to women. Matter of fact, look at the first text in chapter 14 to show you this. One day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye, and when he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. Get her for me. And you go, would we do that today? No. Look at his reaction. His father and mother objected. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among all the Israelites you could marry, they asked? Why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? But Samson told his father, get her for me. She looks good to me. There's another version. She's right in my eyes. You might have that. His father and mother didn't realize that the Lord was at work in this, created an opportunity to work against the Philistines and who ruled over Israel at the time. Now, now you got to understand this, is that it was against the law, the, the biblical law, for a person to go outside of the Jewish faith to have a wife. It's why the parents objected. But now you also see that phrase in there that God was working, and, and how do we harmonize that? I, I, and I think it has to be this is that God still chooses to use us even when we choose that which he doesn't desire. But, but here's where we've got to move on. He looks to take a wife, and i got to point this out. He was a poor excuse for a husband. He didn't attend to his wife. He ignored his role as a husband. And look at in chapter 14, verse 20. Here's the summary of that. And Samson's wife was given to his companion who had been his best man. The father takes his daughter and says, hey, you're ignoring him. I'm going to give her then to another man. But this wasn't the only example of a bad relationship issues that he struggled with. See, he just doesn't get it. And let me show you another time when he doesn't get it. Chapter 16, verse 1. 
One day Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza and spent the night with a prostitute. Folks, this violated the heart of God. And see, flesh and the sexual drive ruled his life. And the idea of becoming a godly leader, here's a leader of Israel, it just doesn't show up in his legacy. Like he really cared about spiritual things. And his quest for women just went on and on. Matter of fact, let me jump ahead and show you how it ends up. See, sexuality for him, I think, was about recreation. And you go, wrong, wrong, wrong. Look at 16, verse 4. After this, he loved a woman in the valley of Sarek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came to her and said to her, Seduce him and see where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to humble him, and we will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. Samson ignores God again. And he goes after this woman who worshipped Dagon, the god of fertility. Now, now I have to, again, stop and just remind you of something. It nowhere tells you that he married her. He just went after her because physically he was attracted to her. Samson ignored God's plans for sexuality, for it to be exclusive and as a gift for marriage. He wasn't concerned about the character of the woman that he was looking for. Years ago, I, uh, I used this passage speaking to college and young career people because it's such a pointed reminder of what can go wrong. And I have to say this, just to interject, if you're a teenager, if you're single, you go, and if you claim to be a disciple of Christ, don't do what Samson did. Okay, Do the opposite. Look for somebody who's godly. Matter of fact, I think we tend to ignore that, even in our culture within churches of today. Let me put 2 Corinthians 6.14 on the screen. It says this, in the New Testament, do not be mismatched with unbelievers, for what partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship does light have with darkness? This idea that Samson was willing to go after women who God would say, don't, it hurt him. It, It was a flaw in his life. But look at another issue as well, number two. For your notes, I said it this way. Samson was unable to see his own character weaknesses as well. And I think there was at least two flaws that we can see here from these chapters. The first one, he was a jokester. He liked jokes. And the second one, he couldn't really control his anger. He was a guy like this. He he prided himself in kind of being a comic. And we won't read the passage, but when he gets married, he challenges these these men from her side of the the Philistine side of the family to a riddle, trying to mock them. And what they do is they turn the tables and they go to his new wife and she tells the answer 
and he reveals it then. They tell them the answer to the riddle. It's about honey, and you can, you can look it up there. But then all of a sudden, he explodes, he gets angry, and he goes down into the village, and he kills 30 men. That's his legacy here. Then on another occasion, let me point this out. I'm not going to give you the passage, but you can just, as you read through, he's been ignoring his wife. And he decides, you know what, I want to be with my wife. So he goes, and he, because she's living, obviously, with her father, and he goes and he, he wants to be with her, and his father says, nope. Father, her father rebuffs him. And what does he do? He gets angry, and he ties 30 foxes together, and he lights the, I don't know how he did it, but he lights the, all of the tails on fire, and he sends them through, running through the fields, the vineyards, and the olive fields. And he burns up the fields. What a joke. But the result of that in chapter 15, he stirs up the Philistines. And they look to come and pay back some consequences. And what happens at that point is that all of a sudden the people of the land, the Israelites... The Jews, they turn on him. And they're looking to give him over to the Philistines because they, he's just making it hard on them. Do you catch the character of this guy? His jokes are cruel, heartless. I don't know if he was attention deficit kind of guy. Look at a quote I came across. A man who has habitually acted the fool and thought the very fact that he was doing something funny justified his bad behavior. That's his legacy. And when we stop and pause and we look at this, it should be a warning to us. You know what? He had enormous physical strength, but in the spiritual world, nothing and the reality is that Samson had little inner spiritual strength. So when you look at this guy, and as we bring him, as I bring him to you, you might be thinking, okay, where is hope found in this guy? Because when you look at character, and Samson's just the opposite. His legacy is that of foolishness. His inner world. It's dominated by self-centeredness, self-reliance, self-indulgence, self-satisfaction. He was a loner, not accountable to anyone. He valued his independence. And yes, he fought the Philistines and he won some battles. But he failed to win the war inside his heart. See, it reminds us, I think, that character flaws will create a legacy that we don't want. It destroys it. And, and that's what happened to Samson. And, and to be honest with you, I wonder, I go, why was he written up in the Old Testament here? What was the purpose? Yes, it has a warning for us. You know, I, I think we ask the question, what is our legacy? What's it? being built around stuff or the spiritual world or other 
one verse that came to mind, I think when you look at Samson, that applies to us. 1 Corinthians 10, look at this. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. So there is a warning for us, I think. For Samson, he was proud of his strength, his intelligence, and he fell. But there is hope in this story. Because I, I think you know the rest of the chapter, rest of the story here. In chapter 16, Samson finally reveals to Delilah the source of his strength. They want, the Philistines want to know, how do we get this guy? He's so strong. He kept killing people when they wanted to take him. And he finally tells her that, guess what? If you cut off my hair, I lose my strength. He's tricked. Delilah, he's sleeping. It says his head is on her lap. And the guy, somebody comes along and shaves his head. I suspect he was probably drunk too. And they take him and they gouge out his eyes. And what you have left is a weak man and he's grinding flour in the prison mill and tied up. And you go, a legacy. Where's there any hope? But here's what I think the call is for us to remember. Number one, if you're taking notes, God doesn't give up on his children even when they live lives that are contrary to his desires. Matter of fact, let me show you this, that God didn't give up even on Samson. Judges 16, And when the hearts were merry... So he's in prison here. Call Samson that he may entertain us. I don't know if his jokes or what. So they called Samson out of prison and he entertained them. And they made him stand between the pillars. And Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand, let me feel the pillars on which the house rests that I may lean against them. Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there, and on the roof there were about 3,000 men and women who looked on while Samson entertained. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me, and please strengthen me only this once. O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two pillar, middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, and his right hand on one and his left on the other. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. What happened? And it's this. Samson finally humbled himself and ultimately was made strong spiritually in spite of his character weaknesses and throwing most of his life away. And I think we can still say this. He still wasted his life. Wrong women, wrong focus, pride, jokester, independent. And I think this, if Samson walked into this room today, he would stand up here and say, don't waste your life. Don't get trapped in sin like I did. 
But here's the picture that we need to connect it to. This is a picture, in one sense, of the prodigal son. A son who wasted his life building a legacy out in the world, spending money. This is the same picture for us here. Because in spite of who Samson was, there was a God who loved him and who kept inviting him and saying, Samson, come to me, humble yourself. And that is what he's doing with us today. When we're walking away from Christ, he's still saying, come to me, I will forgive you. Humble yourself, come to me, and I can make you spiritually strong. See, God was still at work in Samson's life in spite of Samson. And he's in work today for us as well. He invites people to come back to him, to return to him. See, he doesn't give up on people. But I think there's a second piece to this issue of hope as well. Number two, our God is profoundly merciful and gracious. And Samson humbles himself. He submits his will to God. And God used him there to deal with the Philistines. And, catch this, it fulfilled his spiritual legacy. God was gracious to Samson here. God met him. He used him. And I look at this, when you look at the life you go, he, did he really deserve this kind of legacy of greatness? And yet the grace, grace and the mercy of God ruled. And folks, God wants to give us grace and mercy. And he did it with Samson. And so you catch the whole picture of his life. And where does he end up? Hebrews chapter 11 in the Faith Hall of Fame. And I don't know when he finally humbled himself, if it was the last days or maybe the last weeks where all of a sudden he gets it and goes, okay, God, I give up control of you. Use me. And God puts him in the hall of fame of faith. And do you realize he didn't even try to be a good spiritual leader all those years? He didn't work for godliness. And you go, well then... What it does, it points us back to God's grace and his mercy again. Uh, Listen closely. If we don't believe that we have a gracious God, a merciful God, a loving God, we'll never have hope. And there was an incredible act of grace that was given to Samson here that speaks loudly to us today that God is one who is gracious. And if you're one that's walking away from Christ right now, you've never submitted to him, he's saying, come to me with open arms. He's going, come, I will give you grace. I want to give you grace and love. See, hope is based on a gracious and merciful God. 
If God wasn't merciful and gracious, we couldn't have hope. But I still got to ask the question, what are you doing in your life? Are you wasting it? What is the desires of your heart? Because I, I don't think we, the right answer is not, I can just live my life however I want, just like Samson, and then I'll get to the end, and then, you know what, then I'll humble myself. Well, hey, you're putting yourself in a really precarious situation if you do that. No, come to him. But for us maybe that are doing well, what does it speak to us? I go this. God gives us is giving us grace as well. In the same way, he's pursuing us. He's inviting us to continually to give our love to him. He's pursuing us. I want you to, we're going to listen to a song where I, I think it encapsulates really what happened in Samson's life where God kept after him and pursuing him and he gave him grace right at, right at the end of his life and used him and gave a destiny, a spiritual destiny and he's put into the Faith Hall of Fame. Let's play that. Grace found Samson and God puts him in the Hall of Fame. You see the compassionate, loving God that we have. Samson had hope because of the grace of God. And if you feel hopeless right now, God wants to meet you and wants to give grace. Submit to him. Seek him, and he will draw near to you. Let's stand and pray. Father, I still don't understand why Samson was put into this Hall of Fame. And yet we recognize your grace through that. You used him. You're using them, him in our lives. And so, Lord, we want to give you thanks. So, Lord, we just want to pause and give you thanks for your love and your mercy, your compassion, your kindness, your good to us. Your goodness, how good you are to us. I just want to thank you. Father, help us to appreciate your grace, your unconditional love that you have given to us through your son, Jesus. And may we come away here and even this week just pondering how good you are and how you long for us to be with you, to meet you and to walk with you. So Lord, may this week as we walk away from today and as we head toward Thanksgiving, cause us to pause and to remember your grace and your goodness and your profound love for us. So we just give you thanks. These things we pray in your son's name. Amen.